This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Amy Manti is here from British Columbia with a review on the Netflix mystery thriller, Luckiest Girl Alive. Hey, good morning, Amy. Hey, good morning, Dave. Happy to be here on a Monday. Amy, how'd you guys do with the uh, rainstorms over the weekend? I know a North Van wasn't necessarily as impacted as other parts, but it was quite the storm. We lost power for approximately 10 hours on Friday night. Wow. So, yeah, we uh, we were impacted. There were a lot of trees down, a lot of uh, debris to pick up and a lot of power outages. Well, there it is. Yeah, I wanted to get an update on that because, again, I've only been able to sort of read news copy. So I wanted to make sure I spoke to someone on the ground and what they were mm-hmm. what they were going through. And now there's some snow heading towards uh, eastern Vancouver Island in the interior today. So <laughs> the uh, the mixed bag never ends for the good folks in British Columbia. But, Amy, let's jump into Luckiest Girl Alive. Give me a synopsis of what the film is about. Yeah, I mean, if we're getting some nasty weather, let's watch a little streaming on TV, if you have power. Um, so what I'll say about The Luckiest Girl Alive is that it uh, it follows our main character, who is a 28-year-old. Uh, her name is Ani Finelli, um, and she's a respected New York women's magazine editor. She appears to have the perfect life, and um, as she prepares to marry her boyfriend, Luke, uh, wealthy, a wealthy young man... Um, she's approached by a documentary filmmaker. And this documentary filmmaker wants to ask her questions, in particular, about a high school incident that went tragically wrong. So um, the tragedy, which I won't tell you what it is, results in uh, one of her classmates becoming a wheelchair user. And this sort of propels our story forward. Um, And we learn that Ani today, our Ani that we know and have fallen in love with as this character, uh, has a past that she's trying to leave behind, a past where she was known simply as Tiffany. Okay. Get it? Tiffany, Ani. Uh, right. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm vibing. I'm getting that. We go back mm-hmm. into the past. We're trying to cover up misdeeds, potentially. Uh, Mila Kunis potentially? is the star of this film. Folks mm-hmm. might know her from That 70s Show, Family Guy. People, people might know her from films like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Really, Mila Kunis is a super, super talented actor. How did she do in this role? Um, I was pleasantly surprised um, because there are some things that I think that uh, she got stereotyped for, especially for that 70s show, right? Because she was playing kind of a a ditzy, not so smart archetype. And um, just um, just like Kaylee Colco sometimes gets stereotyped for playing that same kind of archetype in the Big Bang Theory, right? Um, so oftentimes when when female characters are playing, uh, you know, the, the quintessential not-so-smart young woman, they can't break out and get roles that are a little bit more complex. So this is a complex role. Um, it starts off happy and bubbly and takes a turn, and so we see this roller coaster of emotion, which is... A, 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 not every actor can do that. Some actors are one-trick ponies. 
and and you feel like she potentially blossomed here a little bit. I mean, I, I would tell you that I, th- I thought for years she's been a really good actor. She was in a movie called uh, Teen Camp uh, that was from the mid-2000s that she showed off a lot of acting chops in that one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think she's a really talented actor, um, and I think the way she played Jackie on that 70s show was just really was, I mean, she was, oh, fif- she was 15 years old when she got that role. She was young. She Absolutely. lied to the, the producers about her age to get that role. Like, she was young, young, young breaking in, and she's also off screen, apparently just like super, super chill, uh, noted for hanging out at Los Angeles Dodgers games and getting thrown out for drinking too many beers and yelling at the players. Oh, that's a piece of info I did not know. No, I agree with you that she's a strong act. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. What I, I guess was referring to the fact that um, I was glad to see that she hadn't been typecasted. Um, that she was able to get roles like this as her career developed, because oftentimes there is a there's a stigmatization yeah. around roles like that. Um, but I think that that in this role, um, she shows what she can do um, to the success of the film. What about the film itself? If we started talking about aesthetics, was it an appealing mm-hmm. film aesthetically? I know that's kind of a weird question as one blind person to ask another. Yeah, I mean, I think um, aesthetically, you know, we're looking at a film that is done in a narrative format, which is kind of fitting because uh, the character of Ani is a magazine editor. So it's 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 narrated as a prose. She is telling the story um, as the narrator and then we watch her go through the story. Right. Um, And then we have a sequence of flashbacks and we've talked about flashbacks before and how sometimes description isn't all that successful at reminding us when there are flashbacks um, or dropping the ball a little bit in that. So th- this is the aesthetic of the show. And it is very almost uh, almost sex in the city at the beginning. Like it's very high class New York, um, you know, nothing's going to get me down kind of stuff. And we see this character transition into um, reinventing uh, they have reinvented themselves. And then when they have to relive their past, they reinvent themselves again. And there's a real uh, like female empowerment piece there, which mm-hmm. is part of the aesthetic of this. Uh, Amy, let's talk about tropes. Um, my mm-hmm. alarm bells are already going off because you used the expression person who wheels, uses a wheelchair. And I'm like, uh oh, here we go. Hollywood. Uh, what about <laughs> uh-huh. some tropes in the film? Well, um, there are two tropes that that um, that, that kind of stuck with me as, as a little bit disappointing. So one of the tropes is right off the beginning, you know, our, our lead character, who is pretty much the perfect specimen of a female um, physically anyways, um, is is um, is telling the audience that she was a fat teenager and that is sort of shadowed as as bad you know this is where I came from I was a fat teenager and then you see the actor who plays the teenager and she may be pleasantly plump but she's not what I would call fat and so there's this like I don't know the stigmatization that that we're continuing to see women um you know not not being able to celebrate body types so that for me was a little bit um I don't know I I just I, I it disappoints me to see some of that um, and then the second thing was uh, uh, the way that, that the wheelchair is presented, because without telling you all the backstory, we are made to believe that the person who's now using the wheelchair is uh, is suffering for his crime. He is suffering the worst suffering you can possibly. He doesn't need to suffer anymore. He's now using a wheelchair, right? Like he's got his punishment. And so for me, when I, you know, as a person who lives with a disability, I it, 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 it impacts me in the way I uh, experience this kind of work. 
yeah, it's it's the kind of stuff that we'd hoped that perhaps uh, the greatest possible punishment you could have is having a disability. We'd hope that maybe that trope uh, would, would would go away, but uh, it remains persistent. It's it's it's, it it's a it's a pesky persistent uh, trope that just hangs out there for whatever reason out there in the uh, filmmaking world. Uh, Amy, anything that you really liked about this movie? Yeah, I mean, I alluded to this sort of uh, just a few seconds ago, which is that there is some really interesting stuff here about. Um, the, the power of women about um, how women are kind of chameleons in a way where they uh, can take a past and bury it and, and, you know, tell themselves that they've moved on. And there's some of their, there's some real beautiful moments, I think in watching uh, Mila Kunis as Annie reconcile with some of this stuff. And, um, and I think that in a way it, it, it makes us re-examine what victimization looks like. Um, which for me was also really interesting. And I'm referring to Ani's character, not the character who's the wheelchair user, um, but that we re-examine. And I think stories like this are important to be told because um, we don't hear a lot of these perspectives from, from women, from women's experiences. And, and I think we hit it a little bit on the tropes, but anything you particularly disliked? Yeah, I think mostly the, the I mean, listen, I, I say this a lot, that these are imperfect movies, right? Like, you know, I, I, show me a perfect movie. Um, we're humans. We write movies. They're, they're fallible. <laughs> they're imperfect. Not um, everything can be the usual suspects. I write. Oh, oh gosh. Or uh, we could sit here and name all yeah, of our yeah, perfect we movies. Can, we could name a couple. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say that, that, um, really, I think what I outlined already is all that I would want to say without giving okay. away Understood. too much more. Understood. Yeah. Uh, what about the audio description? You mentioned that sometimes flashbacks can get a little wonky on the audio description front. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, the audio description was adequate for me to be able to follow the story accurately. And it was funny because um, uh, my mother watched it, who's a sighted person, and she noticed some, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, always makes me laugh, the the stuff that is, um, get that gets missed all the time that shouldn't be. Like for, there's a, there's one particular scene uh, where we're looking at a person's shoes and they're sitting in a chair. And then later on, we see that person walk away and they're wearing different shoes. <laughs> okay all right Con like two sets of different shoes um continuity uh, error not, uh, yeah it's not really an audio description thing but it's kind of a funny thing when you when you have somebody who's got eyeballs who can see that stuff and you're like oh that's supposed to be some kind of easter egg i watch that, like, the really movie i watch it? the movie good yeah i watched the movie good i don't i don't know if you ever knew this about braveheart but there's some big continuity stuff in Braveheart where he's running with a sword and then they cut away and then he's running. He doesn't have a sword. Oh, where did the sword, where'd the sword go? Again. Well, you know, right? where'd the sword go? Heavy, and that's, heavy. that's the nature of the filming, right? Because they take so many cuts of these scenes and sometimes they stitch them together. And sometimes they know there's a continuity area and they error and they hope we just miss yeah, it. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Sometimes, sometimes we pre-tape stuff and I'm a little more shaven or unshaven, uh, depending <laughs> on the day we shave it. I can't, I can't mimic the exact uh, hair uh, follicles on my face. The moment we pre-tape something, um, Amy out of 10, what do you give the film? With the tropes in mind, Dave, I gave the film a seven. I really think it's still worth watching though. Um, because I think we can learn a lot from these kinds of tropes, but I actually would be really interested to see what other women, if, if we got other women, uh, or, or female identifying folks who want to like share comments about this, I'd be really interested to know um, if they were impacted by this kind of storytelling. Amy, we've got 30 seconds on the clock here. Go Give ahead. me the elevator pitch for the most recent episode of Accessing Art with Amy. 
Ah, yes, we've got Kim Kitchen in the studio for accessing art with Amy on this episode. She's a fascinating uh, artist with a disability who had to reinvent herself and shares with us some of the uh, audio soundscapes that she's creating. Right on, and you can find that on your favorite podcasting platform. Just type in Accessing Art with Amy. Hey, Amy, thank you for this. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. That's Amy Amanti, our film reviewer out there in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.